Pro teams have millions to spend, and they don't always spend them wisely. But when it comes to a great shave, you don't have to shell out tons of cash. Harry's saw customers getting ripped off by the shaving industry, with overpriced, underperforming products, and decided to do something better. They found their own way to make beautifully designed razors for a fraction of the price of the other big brands, so you never wonder if you overpaid. Harry's shaving products look great, and the weighted handle makes shaving feel great too. I like to keep my beard neat, and Harry's always leaves me with a smooth yet crisp shave. Harry's quality is top-notch, thanks to German-engineered blades made in their own factory that stay sharp longer. You can get a five-blade razor, weighted handle, foaming shave gel, and a travel cover for just three bucks at harrys.com slash bluewire. And Harry's has the highest customer satisfaction in the shaving industry, plus a convenient subscription option that you can cancel at any time. Getting the best doesn't mean spending the most when you shave with Harry's. Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at harrys.com slash bluewire. That's harrys.com slash bluewire for a $3 trial set. This is not Sam Wrestling. Introducing your host from New York, here is Sam Roberts. How many times am I going to hit you with that music all in one week? Welcome to another episode of Not Sam Wrestling. Hope everybody's doing great. Yes, three in a week, but I didn't realize Jade Cargill was going to get announced as being signed to WWE. So, look. It's all good. It's all good news. When the when the not Sam signal hits, you know good things are coming and good things are coming today. Uh, Andy Williams is known to music fans as one of the former members of the band Every Time I Die, but to wrestling fans, he's known as the Butcher. Andy Williams is uh, an awesome dude and a fun guy to talk about just about anything with, but especially wrestling, as he's one of the biggest wrestling fans that you'll find, but now has also been on this journey, where later in life, after having an amazingly successful music career, decides to put it away and join the circus full tilt, as if he wasn't already a part of the circus in music, becomes not only an independent professional wrestler, but then, fairly quickly, becomes a part of the of the AEW roster, just like that. Last time I talked to Andy, he was just getting involved in the world of independent wrestling, and my, 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 how things have changed. We talked about that change. We talked about his uh, band and what happened there. We talked about everything he's learned, being in AEW and learning from some of the masters of their craft in that world. And so, so much more. Uh, if you want to watch this interview, of course, it's up at youtube.com slash wrestling. as are all three of the podcasts that we put out this week. Enjoy The Butcher. Well, it's been some time since I've spoken to this uh, this gentleman, this violent yeah. gentleman, uh, but he's here in the Not Sam studio, ladies and gentlemen. Andy Williams, The Butcher. Hi, guys. Is here. Hi, everybody. Oh, wait, I'm supposed to talk tough. Everyone always complains about my voice. Yeah. Yeah, well, you portray yourself. I mean, that's a big deal, right? You portray yourself as this very, very tough, I mean, yeah. scary guy. You have a scary presence yeah. in this in this world of professional wrestling. 
But you're a very soft-spoken, nice, polite man. Extremely soft-spoken. Too soft-spoken sometimes. Yeah. Is that why you but, created the yeah the butcher? I mean, you're also a giant man full of tattoos and fairly intimidating facial hair. I have crazy imposter syndrome about that. So, like, every time... I don't really see how big I am until I'm with people. <laughs> like, if I, like, look at, like, a picture and I'm like, oh, man. I'm bigger than these guys. I feel like I'm like 5'8 and like 165. Were you small growing up? No. <laughs> You've <laughs> always, I've been, always big. been big. My like uh my kindergarten picture, I think I'm like the same height as my teacher. <laughs> and I'm wearing overalls. <laughs> <laughs> but you don't get that big by mistake, right? Like so I mean, was was it at some point in your life where you like, no, I gotta get big. I get as big as a house. I, I don't know. I honestly have just always been big. Wow. Yeah. But you I mean, now you must work out with the intent well, of yeah. putting on mass. Well, being 45 now, it's just like being flexible. <laughs> I gotcha. Yeah, I gotcha. <laughs> and like being able to like go to work and like now like work doesn't hurt as much as it used to. That's good. Well, yeah. Okay. So last time we talked, it was years ago. It was before AEW. Yeah. It was when you were a musician, yeah. kinds of transitioning into this world of independent at the time wrestling yeah it was october 30th uh 2016 wow what a memory on you yeah <laughs> yeah um do you have any reason why you remember that date specifically or just just my first match ever was on october 30th it was on halloween so like i'll always remember like the first time i'd actually wrestled in front of a live crowd was october 31st 2016 wow yeah. and and at the time it was like we were talking about how it was nuts that at this station in your life or at that station in your life, you were getting into independent wrestling. Yeah. And then very quickly, you know, th for the most part after yeah. that, you're part of a nationally televised it's promotion. Wild. It's so weird, dude. It's you, so weird. Yeah. Like thinking about that, that transition is like one of the weirdest things. Cause like my, it's always, it's always been, art to me so mm -hmm. it's like just the same thing as like making music like i get to perform and it's like theater you mm -hmm. know what i mean yeah so it's not like i i wasn't like a sports guy you know what i mean like yeah. i'm not like i wasn't into i wasn't a football player that got into pro wrestling or something like that it was just like something i always liked i understood what i was watching never I always understood what I was watching, if that makes sense, without totally. giving anything away. Like, if just like I knew what it was, uh, and I always liked the art form of it. And um, then once you like kind of break it down, you realize that you're like learning this weird language, and like only you and a few other people in the world know this like weird language. And like, I can wrestle Phoenix and like not speak a language but speak a language and go out there and do it perform it get done and be happy and hug him and go we just did a really cool thing and we barely talked <laughs> like, yeah you know what i mean like it's it's really cool to like when you break it down like that so like coming from music i kind of understood it just like entertainment wise how do you think you develop that second hand so quickly, though? Because I would imagine that, you know, like you see people who, and maybe it's having that familiarity with the business before you get in, but like yeah. there are plenty of people who have to plan out match, like they have to do a lot of talking. Let's For sure. just say, right? 100%. Yeah. And so the fact that 
you know, a couple years in. Yeah. Really, you're still young. Big time. As far as your career goes, you're able to go out and have yeah. good matches with yeah. good performers that are seasoned and you don't have to talk. It makes no sense to me. Yeah. Are you just, just a natural or? I don't know. I wouldn't say that. I, yeah. I, I just think it's a, I think that it's, I don't know how to break that down. I don't think it's, I, I think a lot of dudes when they get into pro wrestling, their aspirations are like, I'm going to go to WrestleMania or I'm going to do full gear. I'm going to headline one of these big events and I'm going to be a champion and I'm going to be, I'm so into the science of wrestling that it's more of like a student thing than it is like I'm in college right now. You know what I mean? Like, or something like that, where I'm, I'm just learning every single time. I was in a match a couple of weeks ago with Matt Hardy and like on the fly, he just started doing things. And like, I was like, Oh, I, I we're not talking right now, but I understand everything that he's doing right now. I understand what I need to do right now. And then you kind of like sit back and you go like, I just did something crazy with Matt Hardy. Like that is so wild. And like that to me, yeah, I'm more proud of that than like winning a championship or like, I don't know. You know what I mean? Like, Absolutely. Cause I don't, don't have the same aspirations. I think that's what it is. Yeah. Just learning <clears throat> it and being good at this craft is the whole that's it. thing. Yeah. 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 And I think that that's also really healthy that you're, you can reflect as it's happening. Cause that's what you hear a lot, right? A lot of people go, well, yeah, I didn't, I, I it was just so fast and you're moving on to the next thing and on to the next thing that you don't really take into account what you've accomplished. But I think that also has to do with what the goals are, right? That if, you're, if your goal is to get to WrestleMania or whatever main event of pay-per-view, you're just like, okay, that was good, but how do I move on to the next thing? As opposed to going, oh man, like I was just able to communicate with one of the greatest to ever do it mm-hmm. in his language yeah, and do it well. Yeah. And that is like, that to me is like, I'm, I'm, I like, get proud of myself and like i don't think the character of the butcher is like he's not a champion he's not like a like go get him you know he's not like cody Rhodes, or he's not you know what i mean like yeah. he's not that he's a he's gonna ball his fist up he's gonna punch you in the face and he's gonna wait for you to punch him in the face right and like it's just the fact that like i'm doing that and that's i'm happy yeah like, doing that and he is the guy that that Cody Rhodes needs to conquer to be Cody Rhodes, right? One hundred percent. And right. like understanding that makes you have so much more air to breathe and go like, okay, cool. I, I'm the guy that wins the fight. This is the guy that wins the war, right? You know what I mean? Yeah, like, absolutely. Cool, like that. And once you kind of understand it, like go back and watch any match I've had with Darby, uh-huh. like that. Those matches are the ones I'm like the most proud of. I had a match with Pac that I was like super proud of, like a like a singles match. And like my whole thing was just like, I'm going to win this fight. He's going to win the war. And then when you're done, like you've won the match without winning the match. Right. And I think that a lot of people don't understand like that should be the goal is to like win the crowd. And even if you're losing or winning, it's their it, it's their experience, not mine. Right. Right. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's like, I, I, and I think like in wrestling, that's like the biggest problem is a lot of people don't realize that like the 
it's not for we don't I don't pay to have people yell at me. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like yes. I I get paid for them to yell at me. Right. So like it's their experience, not mine. So like I go out there and make it the best for them. And if they're cheering and they're especially if they're cheering the other guy, people don't understand that like I'm doing a great job if they're yelling that guy's name. That's cool. Like I won the match. Yeah. We leave. Great. I did my job right. You know what I mean? Like, Which is the, but that's that next level of of thinking about it because I think people the first level is whether they're cheering or booing, it doesn't matter as long as they're reacting. But then the next level is no, depending on where your position is, that guy. If I can make them react to that guy, yeah, then I'm doing what I, I, my job is. I think this is all coming from music though. Because like my job and every time I die, like the only thing we wanted to do is just pop the crowd. We wanted the crowd to have the best time. We wanted them to just be them. Mm-hmm. And now it's like easy. You go into wrestling and it's like, dude, I, I just want this little kid to think I'm the biggest prick right. there is. I right. want him to cry. Right. That sucks. And is that so that's why and that's why the monocle and the big mustache and the it's Everything. like this is this is a villain. Yeah. This is time. what a villain looks like. You don't yeah. have to you could be six years old and go like that guy scares me. I don't like him. I want somebody to beat him. Yeah. Me yeah. and Jess's that that was like when me and uh like the blade like started the butcher and the blade, like our whole thing was like like when you're watching Roadhouse, yeah, you don't care about uh uh, ben Gazera's character. Yeah, he's a rich guy. You care about the guy who has a boot knife. <laughs> and he's wearing some like turquoise necklace. He's got like feathered hair. Mm-hmm. And like, you know, he's a badass. And he wins the fight, but he loses the war. Right. You know what I mean? Right. And, and Nick, I don't rem- like, I'm, I love that movie. So yeah, I know that Ben Gazera is the bad guy. <laughs> but like, I like that other, I like the boot knife guy more because like he was such a badass and uh-huh. he threw like high kicks and stuff like that. Like that's what we always wanted to be is like the, the step before the big bad guy. Right. Like, right. Now you're not the end boss. No, you're, you're the guy you talk about. You're, you're yeah. Bubba Fett. Yeah. No one talks about, you know what I mean? Boba Fett was in the, that Star Wars for like 13 seconds. Right. Got eat by a giant worm. And then you see that more than any... Because he looked awesome. Yes. Yeah. That's it. I just want to look awesome. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> well, okay. So all, going back to the band, though. Yeah, yeah. Because you were a, a massive wrestling fan. Big time. When you were in the band, when you were growing up. Like, you've been a massive wrestling fan forever. So do you think that your instinct to go like, well, part of our job as being in this band is just to pop the crowd was because... Sometimes when you're a massive wrestling fan, that psychology kind of starts to drip into your brain and everything just becomes wrestling. So the wrestling psychology that comes from the band was actually wrestling psychology that came into the band. You know what I mean? Kind of. Yeah. 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 And it's that, I think it's just theater, right? Like that, that all storytelling, that's what it is. Dude, like this is theater, right? Like what you do, right? Like you tell stories and you have people tell stories and you're like, you're good at like bringing those stories out of people. So like, this is pro wrestling, what you're doing. Even though you're not in a ring. That's wild, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah, And yeah. that's, like, the cool thing is, like, writing a song, putting a match together, putting a podcast together, it's all the same. You're uh-huh. going to have an intro. You're going to have a chorus. You're going to have bridge. You know what I mean? You know, and, like, you've been doing this for so long. You understand segue to get to the next thing, to get to the finish. We're done. Bam. Yeah, I mean, to me, it's all how do, no matter what form it's in, 
how do you get people to go along with you on the journey? Yep. That's it. We're taking people. We, we, this is the journey. That's the destination. How do I keep you engaged all the way through? So by the time we get to the destination, we're all invested yep. in the outcome. Yeah, that's it. That's That should be everyone's goal with entertainment. Yeah. Is to just bring everyone along the journey and everybody goes, oh, that was great. Right. It feels good. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, wow. That was fun. Yeah. So, okay. So, so you 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 start the road to independent wrestling you take it seriously how do you go so quickly from cuz you guys were part of AEW way early yeah how do you how does how does that happen how do, how does the butcher and the blade and the bunny become an act in AEW so early on especially since the act hadn't Gotten a ton of experience on the independence. Yeah, yeah. I think it was just a matter of like laying down some like creative, like understanding what we could do to take ourselves in like I'm a weird person. I will look at everything mm -hmm. and go like, oh, this isn't happening. Like if this thing isn't happening, how can I make how can I fill that void? Oh, like it doesn't exist. <clears throat> like there wasn't on the in the independent scene at that time, mm -hmm. there were some big tag. There were tag teams that were like bigger dudes, but they weren't like scary looking guys. There was no Road Warrior, right? And like I was like, yo, if we create some sort of Road Warrior situation, right? We can like take that that avenue and like expand on it. And like the best part about the Road Warriors is like they never gave you too much. They were just dumb guys that just beat people up. Right. They looked awesome. <laughs> yep. And I was like, you know, when when I like kind of explained the characters to Jesse, like when I came up with the idea, I was like, let's do Road Warriors, but like let's throw this weird like 90s action spin on it. We're like, we're the cool guys in yeah. every action movie that lose in the end. Right. <clears throat> and then it's like, if you understand that, you're always going to be the monster you're always going to be used. It's just like, I don't know. I, I think I just took more of an analytical way of looking at an approach. And that, I think that's from music too, because it's like, I don't know, I'll learn like a jazz run on a guitar and I'll be like, how can I make this make sense in my music? Sure. Like something that no one's ever heard us do. How can I make that make sense? Right. And then, and then sometimes when they hear it, they don't even realize, oh, this is actually derivative of that. Yeah. Right. Yep. Because you don't want them to. No. You don't want them to know where it came from. No. Yeah. Yeah. So then, so, so does does how do you get on Tony Khan's radar to begin with though? Like, how, is there is there a wrestler that goes like, hey, you got to check these guys out? Is Cody was like the man. At the yeah. Time. And like the the best. So there was like weird kind of things that kind of happened at that time. Like, ROH was going to bring us in with Tyler Bateman, mm. um, as a a six man, and we were. They wanted us to come in and just take the belts from Marty Skrull, PCO, and Brody King. Right. So we were communicating back and forth with that, <clears throat> and they wanted us to do it in Texas. They did these, like, Texas shows. And then out of nowhere, that like, we hadn't signed anything yet, and those Texas shows got canceled. And I remember being like, this is bad, dude. Like, mm. We got to pull out. Like, this is that. And, like, it was kind of weird because me and, me and Jess kind of, like, argued because, like, he's been in wrestling for so long and like, I want him, I want him to have what he want, what he needs. Yes. Like he's a, he's such a great person. And like, 
he deserves to be with one of the big companies making yes. money doing yeah. wrestling. <clears throat> and I was like, oh man. And he was like, dude, this is my chance, you know? And I was like, no, just, this is bad, bad juju, bad juju. You know, like we got to yeah. just like back away. And literally, I think like a week later, get a call from Cody and he's like, hey, you guys come into like AEW and, and do some stuff. Like, yeah, uh, sure. And it was Love like, doing stuff. But I was like, my, my intentions with wrestling was always to keep it super punk rock mm -hmm. and wrestling like VFW halls and like do that. Because <clears throat> it's just, I fell in love with indie wrestling. I thought <laughs> indie wrestling was like, you have a different scene every single night. Nothing is like, uh, everything's exciting. You know what I mean? And like, yeah, there's shows that are like boring and stuff like that. But like, for the most part, like, the venue is always different. The people are always different. That is something that like I love is like growing up a punk rock kid. Like, I feel more comfortable in a VFW hall than I do in arena. And like, still, that still is really. It's I still feel more comfortable like in a VFW hall. And like, the arenas are not stagnant, but it's just like it's the same scene every week and it's just like instead even though you're in a different town or whatever it's a mass of people it's just a mass of yeah. people like you're not necessarily connecting with these new individuals yeah that like, you would with a smaller crowd yeah and like a year in i i was getting kind of i was like oh man like i haven't like i haven't been in like a venue venue in a long time i've been in like these arenas for a year this is like weird and then i was like how can i make this now make sense and be fun and it was like oh okay like the cool part is it, wrestling in an arena makes me slow down mm. and be able to like pay attention and then you realize like the difference between indie wrestling and tv wrestling right you know right and it's like that's the thing it's like i had, I had to learn that on the fly of course so, like, i never jesse had had experience wrestling on tv i had none so like I, that first day dude Oh my god! Because we like came out of the out of the bottom of the ring, and like I was worried like that it wouldn't open or something. You know what I mean? Like the something wouldn't happen. You know what I mean? And like we just, uh, um, but everything went really smooth, and like we hit our finish on on Cody. And when I went to the back, the first person staying there was Billy Gunn, uh -huh. and like Billy has one of those faces that like until he smiles, you kind of don't know the. You don't know where to gauge him. Uh -huh. And at that time, I didn't know him at all. So I was terrified. I like walked back. I'm looking at Thanos, like <laughs> just staring down at me. And he was like, hey, next time you do your finish, like hit a little more snap on that. And I was like, oh, thanks, dude. And he was like super ratty, smiled. He was like, great job, man. You did really good. I was like, <sighs> okay. <laughs> and like, it, it was, man, it was, that was so weird. But I never in my, I never, I never put that in my head. I never put, arena wrestling it in my head ever yeah you know? i mean yeah i mean and you had you were just it was also experimental i think for you big time right big time and so the idea that now we're here it's why now we're here yeah yeah how has it has it become more comfortable or big more time. at home for you absolutely yeah like now i feel way more comfortable like i don't really get nervous like the last time i was like really nervous we had a match with like sting was in the match yeah and uh yeah, he is. That's like as he's so cool, man, like and so down for everything like he wants to just be 
he wants to keep up. He doesn't want to be like the guy that just has to go out there, hit the stinger splash. You know what I mean? Like, yes, he that, wants to do stuff. He wants yeah. to do stuff. Yeah. And like, I'm, it was his birthday. <laughs> and I pulled him aside and I go, dude, you should, you're really cool, man. Like, it's really cool that you want to like be with us, not just us put you over. Like, he wants to, he wants to help put us over. Yeah. And like in that match, like, I called a spot where I was like, mocking him like i mocked the like sing like the stinger splash and stuff like that mm-hmm. and like i when i was on the other side of the ring looking at him and then you see the arena and like it's filled with people and they're reacting and you're like what am i doing right like what am i doing right now like yeah where am i in my in the world yeah like i'm about to hit sting with <laughs> the stinger splash Dude, 20 25 years ago i was watching nitro Yes. And seeing Sting on the other side of the ring on a TV set. And yeah. now I'm in an arena, never, in a ring. Never put myself ever there. Ever. And yeah. still sometimes, like, I have that imposter syndrome where I'm just like, this is so weird. Like, I feel like I'm floating above myself, like, looking at the situation and thinking I'm watching, like, Nitro. But yeah, Did you, at first, when you got to AEW, were you like... They're gonna find out I'm not a TV wrestler. I'm not supposed to be here yet. Or were you? Yes, and it, it, like that's the thing that's kind of scary. Is like I'm like, you kind of have to make go, dude. It's not fake it till you make it. Like I made it. Like yeah, you're here for a reason. I'm here. Yeah. Okay. Now is like, Arn Anderson sitting right there. I'm gonna go talk to Arn and like ask him questions. Oh, cool. I got Jake the Snake here. I'm gonna go ask him questions. Yeah. I'm, I got Billy Gunn. I'm gonna ask Billy Gunn questions. And then you like, again, like it's so science to me and like an art, like I don't think a lot of people get bummed out when they get critiqued or like they, they take it personally Mm -hmm. and it's like, no dude, like we're all on the same team. He just wants me to be a better wrestler. Right. That's incredible. And as a, as a guy, I think it also probably helps that you lived a life before wrestling. Yeah. You know what I mean? So this exactly. isn't and 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 yeah, you're not and you're not a kid who like hasn't really matured to the point where like you can take on that advice in the proper way. But also you're such a fan that you're like having Arn Anderson critique me is a fantasy, not a punishment. Yeah. Right? It, yeah. And it's like it, it's also like I mean I've 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 talked to like people in the past where you're just like oh, they don't even care what they're talking to me about right they just they're on to the next thing but like the first time I sat with Arn you can see in his eyes he still wants to wrestle mm. so like he you know I asked him like a simple question about just shining someone up but still being big and tough like I was having that was the thing I was having the most trouble with was like like shining up a baby face and still looking like a killer. I was like doing this weird thing where like I would just cower and like look smaller. I wanted to look bigger. And Arn like broke these things down for me. And like he pulled his phone out, like pretended it was a ring and he's like, you could do this and you could do this. Uh. And he's like showing me like, you know, just like little things to do. And like, man, it was just cool to see him take an interest in that, you know? And I've also got to imagine when you're talking to somebody on that level about that level of minutia, it's like not only is it all these little things, but I'd have to imagine in a million years you would never have thought of them. Never. Right? Never. And it's, dude, that's that's the thing that that's really cool about wrestling is like 
and obviously like when dudes have done it forever yeah they'll the first thing they'll say is like i don't i don't do any moves i don't do any moves and you're like dude i saw you do like 30 moves right like what are you talking about like you don't do any moves right and then you realize like oh they're not doing any moves <laughs> it's all like the little detail that that builds the move up right so like you do two moves or three moves in a match and like dude there was a match last week there you might remember this it was danielson versus suzuki yeah dude me and me and Pac watched it together uh-huh. and hugged after like our team won a super bowl <laughs> like because it was like there was only one bump at the entire match and it was a backdrop at the end like leading into the finish oh. and the match was just all crowd work and like they just did little detail little detail like and then culminated into a backdrop into like a submission or whatever the finish was i can't remember the finish was but it was like what a beautiful match like it was yeah you see the fine strokes like you understand why these dudes are the artists that they are and that's one of the fun things about wrestling is that the levels upon which one can appreciate it, right? Because like you guys are watching brushstrokes. You guys are seeing what's going on. Yeah. But for a lot of us in the audience, we don't even realize I what know. we've watched. Like we did like the beauty of guys who don't do moves is that like you just said, none of us realize that they no. don't do moves. You don't understand that you've only seen a match with two moves in it. It's that is man. And it's such an art form. Yeah. And it's like, it, like like Kenny Omega like that guy is one of those people like you can say whatever you want to say about him but that dude is Monet he is that last when he came back and did that ladder match Mm -hmm. every single movement he did in that match was intentional Mm -hmm. there wasn't an unintentional move and when you see that you're like this is a great artist this is like looking at Mona Lisa up close yeah and like like you said, like a lot of people don't see that stuff. You know what I mean? Like, but now because like the, the sport has slowed down for me, mm-hmm. I can see that stuff and then go like, oh my God, like I never thought about selling like that. Oh, yes. okay. Now I have a little tool in my, in my, you know, my toolbox to like try that or like sell a little more, you know, like, yeah, it's, man. Wrestling is so cool when it's cool. Yeah, that's one of my favorite <laughs> things of like not only getting to have now watched for decades, but also getting to talk to you guys on this level about it because now it affords me the opportunity to catch things that you just w- I wouldn't have ever caught it had somebody that is not an, a true expert in the field said, this is what's going on here. Yeah. And now it's like, I mean, my wife, I'm sure, thinks that I'm a total psycho because like I'll pause the TV and rewind it and go, look at this little moment here. And she's like, yeah, what, I don't know what you're talking about. Dude, I, ju- I did that on the plane trip here with her where she was like, Hannah was like, my fiance was like working and like I was watching um, like mid 2000s Noah. Uh-huh. And there was like Shigora and uh, Marafuji had this like little spot that they did. And it's just like, you know, a high spot in the beginning and like how like where we would normally like put an offensive move, mm-hmm. Marafuji and Shigora put a defensive move in to go into an offensive move. And it was like, hold on, I got to rewind that. Like, how did that happen? And I'm like, look at this, look at this is like, this is insane. And she's like, oh, that's cool. <laughs> <laughs> she gets, she, she understands like how I look at wrestling. Yeah. So like, and the good thing is like being with someone 
who like had no prior wrestling knowledge. Yeah. It's it's interesting to see her perspective of what we do. And then you go like, she'll say something like, hey, I always thought this was pretty weird. And then you go, damn, that really is weird. I do that every match. Yeah. Like, like why would you do that? It's psychologically, it doesn't make sense. Yeah. Yeah. And like, you wouldn't know that if you if you were around all wrestlers. Right. And then they, it's someone like a different perspective. And you're like, oh, my God, I never... That is really dumb. Right. <laughs> like right. And then you change it up. Like I don't do like the crash in the corner. Uh-huh. Like where like you go all the way across and you like look at a guy and then you like run across <laughs> and like smash him with a thing. And I was like, I don't want to look at the guy, Mm-mm. you know? And that was the best part about the sting thing is I did that so he could move out of the way and then he stung. He right. splashed me. Pro teams have millions to spend and they don't always spend them wisely. But when it comes to a great shave, you don't have to shell out tons of cash. Harry's saw customers getting ripped off by the shaving industry with overpriced, underperforming products and decided to do something better. They found their own way to make beautifully designed razors for a fraction of the price of the other big brands, so you never wonder if you overpaid. Harry's shaving products look great, and the weighted handle makes shaving feel great too. I like to keep my beard neat, and Harry's always leaves me with a smooth yet crisp shave. Harry's quality is top-notch, thanks to German-engineered blades made in their own factory that stay sharp longer. You can get a five-blade razor, weighted handle, foaming shave gel, and a travel cover for just three bucks at harrys.com slash bluewire. And Harry's has the highest customer satisfaction in the shaving industry, plus a convenient subscription option that you can cancel at any time. Getting the best doesn't mean spending the most when you shave with Harry's. Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at harrys.com slash bluewire. That's harrys.com slash bluewire for a $3 trial set. As one would. That's like, yes, he got out of the way as one would get out of the way. You're running at me full speed. (laughs) I can can just leave. I should go. Yeah, Yeah, that's what I love. Like, like there are guys like in AEW, it's like, I feel like Danielson, Omega, Claudio, Samoa Joe, mocks like there are guys that like if you're watching like they're just working on this totally other level yeah. but i also love seeing it now in wwe too like yes. wwe is is putting on a product that i feel like is as mainstream friendly as it's ever been yes but for hardcore wrestling fans that are watching like if you're really watching every move that roman reigns makes you're like oh jesus he's he's doing something else like the stuff that Gunther is doing is yeah, like it's every single thing yep. counts. Yeah. And like there are no holes yeah. in the game. And it's like it's it's amazing to me to see it elevated on that level on a stage that's so big for both yes. companies, right? It's incredible, man. It like that that's my main thing is like I I love pro wrestling. Yeah. So like I'm not a person that takes sides. Mm-hmm. I think that everything from like your little like weird 30 person death matches yep there's something good in there there's some good in that at the highest level there's so much good Mm -hmm. and like if you can sit back and like watch a match like sean spears like sean spears like watching sean spears like he understands tv wrestling so much Mm -hmm. That if you're a wrestler and you wrestle on TV and you don't watch Sean Spears, you're an idiot. Because everything he does is so intentional. 
and he came from a you know he came from the wb system where like you have that's all tv wrestling so like that's what i do (laughs) yeah i mean so like you know when i watch roman reigns i see the art form yeah you know what i mean and like it's beautiful man and that i i don't know i like i hate when people take sides i hate like that whole thing where it's just like dude i'm happy that people are watching yeah i mean it's like on one end you go yup Randy Orton might be the greatest yeah. to ever do it, just in the sense that everything is in character. But then at the same time, it's like, yeah, you should turn the channel and realize that like Adam Cole and MJF just got 80,000 people to Unreal. pop for a hug. Yes. For a hug. Everybody, like the match is over. There is yep. no physicality to be had. And yeah. 80,000 people were just silent. Like, you know what my favorite part about that ending was, was that you could hear them talking to each other. Yeah, because the stadium was silent because they were so emotionally invested yeah. in what was going on, and that's everything. That's, that's what the whole point. Man. It's like that. Those like little moments, like I said, with when we brought up Danielson, right? There's, I. There's not. I don't think there's a pro wrestler even close. Same. I think that his gap is like he can do everything. Yeah, like he was. He was already the best. Yep, and then he got a lot better. It's like, like, dude, how? Yeah. How? Yeah. How? Like that, that's like, how do you get better than that? Yeah. And like, you can put him in any, you could put him in comedy, Mm -hmm. you could put him in deathmatch, you could put him in technical. That dude does everything good. Mm -hmm. That is Michael Jordan. Like, everyone should watch that guy wrestle. But then also when he talks, he's like, and I think this is a big part of it, the same way like you talk about talking to coaches at AEW and like taking in all this advice. Like he loves wrestling. When he talks about the relationship he had with Vince McMahon, mm-hmm. love Vince McMahon, love mm-hmm. talking about wrestling with Vince McMahon. Yeah. When you hear him talking about Tony Khan, love Tony Khan, love talking about wrestling with Tony Khan. It's like, this is a guy who like you just said, just understands the entire spectrum of what you yeah. do and, and, and appreciates and, and continues to just soak it all in. Yeah. I think. It's so cool, man. Yeah. And it just, and on top of that, like, there's not a bad bone in that dude's body. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? Like, uh-huh. he he's one of the best. At any point in time, you can pull that dude aside and have any type of conversation with him. That's awesome. And, like, either he'll give you advice. He's nurtured me before. He's, you know what I mean? Like, he's done everything that I, I've asked him personal questions about life. Like, in this business, because it's a, it's a dog-eat-dog world, mm-hmm. I don't come from it. So, like, I'm very hard at – I don't do politics. Mm-hmm. I don't do the backstage shit. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, I, that's just not my my thing. Mm-hmm. I don't like it. And uh, I don't understand it. Mm-hmm. And, like, <laughs> when it happens, I, like – it feels very foreign to me. Um, yeah, I and, guess when you go in as, like, a fan, it's almost like you walk in going – Hey guys, how super cool is it that we're all here getting to do this, yeah, right? Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah. And like, you know, there's guys that like that's part of the craft. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? Yeah, like sure. that's that is part of the craft and like if I never get to like that great level, uh-huh. that might be one of the the tools I just didn't want to put in my toolbox. Right. You know what I mean? And like I'm cool with the physicality part of it. Yeah. Yeah, and it just like it really like bums me out when that stuff happens and like you just I don't like the negativity in wrestling and it's like, man, like our job is to let the fans not care about what's happening backstage. 
they need to care what's happening in the ring. Mm-hmm. And like, that's my only complaint with modern pro wrestling. <laughs> right. You know? Right. Yeah. And there is that thing that like, because fans do get more engaged when the stories are true. So there is part mm-hmm. of it like, well, if there really is beef and we can bring it into the ring, it's going to make the story even better. And, and that's true. But also we should kind of not know where the line is. We should, absolutely. we should be convinced that, oh, that beef is real when it's not. Dude, when I go see Circus Lay, right. and there's a dude that comes out dressed like a giraffe, that's a giraffe, man. That's it. That's it. I don't want to know where that guy lives. I don't want to know where that dude eats. Right. I just want to see him do a draft. Right. That's it. That's it. Yeah. So, and it, okay. So, is that part of the reason why when you came in? Because one of the things about you that I find completely fascinating is that you come to the table with a fan base. Yeah. You know, you, you come to the table with an entire career and people who love you. From music, every time yeah. I die has an incredibly large and loyal yeah. fan base yeah. that are like locked on to whatever any of you guys are doing. And I found it amazing that you get onto AEW TV, and it's not—it wasn't even the butcher Andy Williams. No. It was just the butcher. You have a monocle. You don't look like you did when you were in the band. Yeah. Like, like you're like, no, 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 no. I don't know who this. Andy Williams from Every Time I Die is. Yeah. But this is just the butcher. I'm not capitalizing on that at all. Like I'm yeah. I'm going in the complete opposite direction. Yeah. Was that to maintain the illusion of yeah, of I, who I, the butcher is? I love wrestling, man. Yeah. So like if I did it, I was gonna do wrestling. I wasn't gonna be that guy that was like and that was the thing, man. When I first started wrestling, like it was getting really boring because like promoters would hit me up and they'd be like yeah i got this great idea i have the best idea to do for you we're gonna have our number one heel say oh you want to be a wrestler you're a music guy and he's gonna pull out a guitar and he's gonna make fun of you with the guitar and then you're gonna choke slam him you cool with that and it's like i did that literally last weekend dude like (laughs) and the the weekend before that that, yeah the weekend before that and it's like uh, and Jesse said something to me like, I was like, I dressed exactly like the out. I had an outfit that I wore on stage and I wrestled in that. Mm-hmm. So like, gray pants, weird cutoff shirt, baseball hat. So like, I was catering to just the every time at I fans that would come to a wrestling show. Sure, I wasn't catering to the wrestling fans that didn't know re- every time I die. Right. And Jesse would just one day just goes, "You want to be treated like a pro wrestler? Look like a pro wrestler." And I was like, okay. And I and I, I think I watched Running Man, and his name was the Butcher of Bakersfield. So I started calling myself the Butcher of Buffalo, Andy Williams, mm-hmm. and then made a weird long jacket, started wearing tights. Yeah. Like, I was never that, was thought that, I was going to be a tight guy. Was that a tough thing for you to like go like, okay, I'm just going to wear trunks. Like, I'm going to put this body on display. There, so two, I would say like two of the hardest things for me in my wrestling career has been one – feeling confident at first in those trunks. In now yeah. I like feel great wearing trunks. Uh-huh. Two was regrowing my hair out. So like I had a bald head for a long time. And right. I mean, I shaved my head for like probably 10 years, like, and didn't have hair. Uh-huh. And then out of nowhere, I was like, dude, <laughs> like me and Jesse had this talk and I was like, dude, no one embraces skullets. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, 
let's go. Like, let's, let's like, I want to look like the crib keeper. Yeah. You know what I mean? And then it, 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 uh, you know, I started growing my hair out and as soon as it got long, I was like, there was, oh my God, there's a really funny picture of me and Frankie Kazarian and I'm crying. Mm -hmm. I'm like sobbing, but like a happy sob. Mm -hmm. And he's like, got his arm around me. (laughs) And I just told a story about like, I have, I have thin, like straight hair and I never had curls. So one year on Warp Tour, I grew my hair out and I got a perm so I could have your old hair. Like yeah. I wanted like a, you know, like I wanted curls. Yeah. And I started talking about walking on stage with curls for the first time. And I just started crying. I was like, it was so liberating. It you wanted so this. so good. Yeah. Because I never had it. Right. I never felt like the wind catch curls <laughs> and like feeling the bounce of curls and yeah. stuff like that. So like <laughs> I was growing, I started growing my hair out literally right when, before we started AEW. Yeah. So like I kind of had hair when we first started yeah, and then yeah. it kind of kept growing, growing, growing. And then I ended up breaking my thumb and I had like four or five months off. And the good thing was like that, well, I broke my thumb on the very first show we were allowed to have fans back. And uh, it was, I won like some battle Royal and then I got to go against Darby in a singles and like, just shit happened. And yeah. I broke my thumb. So I was off for a couple of months and like no one saw me. And like, you know, I got like, I lost, like I just tightened up and like started tanning. My hair came in like longer. Yeah. And I went and got a perm and like got a little bit of curl in there. <laughs> and when I came back, dude, it was like, like I go back and I like, I got to cut these like promos. They started using me like a lot right when I came back. Just probably just because I looked different. Insane. Yeah. I looked like a wild person. Yeah. You know, I looked like a wild man. And uh they let me like <laughs> I, I remember I hate to interrupt you, but I remember, I remember that oh. period because like Troy, uh, my my good friend is a big every time I die fan. That's really yeah. where he knows you from. Yeah. But he likes to watch anytime you're wrestling. And so he'd come to me like the day after like a dynamite or whatever you were on, and he'd be like, the hell is Andy doing? Yeah, like, what, yeah. Is he okay? Like, what's what's going on? I go, that's not Andy Williams. That's the butcher. Yeah, yeah. And the the, the crazy part is like Hannah has to like in that time. I'm hurt, dude. So I'm just home, yeah. bo- bothering her. She has to work, dude. I'm just like, yo, I'm gonna, I want to, I want to get a perm. She's like, all right, cool. I'm like, you, will you still love me if I get a perm? Yeah, of course, of course. Okay, okay, all perfect. Right, all right, yeah. And like, that's a real one, by the way. Oh, she's the best. Yeah. So like, literally you know, throwing ideas at her. And like, sometimes I can be like a cyclone of like just ADHD mm-hmm. and like, she'll be working and she'll be in the middle of doing things and I'll come in and I'll be like, <laughs> and she'll just be like, uh-huh. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. That, that's great. And then like go back to work and then like circle back on it. Like, Oh, you know, you said this like earlier, like, what are you seeing this? And then like, I'm pulling out like, Oh, I like look at Don Fry from like, you know, but what he was wrestling in Noah, he had like long hair and it's like, he was all zipped up and he was wearing like cool black tights. And then I went through this like period where I started calling myself triple. Eh, Cause it was like, I had a balding head, but I kind of, I started looking like, cause you had like the, the, the Lemmy mustache or whatever. Yeah. 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 And I had like longer hair, but I was like balding. And right. like, I was like the dollar store version. Of it. And, um, which was cool as hell. And sure. th- that's the funny thing is like, so my toy came out like this. Well, that's what I was going to, as I was going to say, like, as like an action figure guy, I'm like, dude, like when you shaved your head, 
Yeah. And I knew the butcher figure was coming out. I'm like, yeah. what are you doing? Dude, Matt Cardona is so mad at me, dude. <laughs> yeah. Matt Cardona, anytime I post the the toy, he'll comment on it and be like, this is this shot. This is so shot. Yeah, like, hasn't he offered to buy you a wig so you can? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, not yet. Not yet. But he, like, he'll comment every single time I post it. Dude, you'll respect this mm -hmm. because again, like I, I like looking at things analytically and like figuring out what's not happening and then try to do that. Mm -hmm. So when I was off, I, I watched matches of guys coming back from injury. Yes. And you, the guy either came back wearing sunglasses mm -hmm. or a leather jacket. So I decided <laughs> I was, to wear both. I, <laughs> And it got over, it got over like crazy. Dude, the funny thing is, as we were walking up, when you picked us up, the yeah. conversation we were having as we like walked up to your car was, uh -huh. I know you have the bald head now, but why don't you just go back to wearing the sunglasses and the jack the, the leather jacket? And I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm going to do that. Yes. Yeah. So like, yes. I don't have the hair, but I'm going to go back to like the, the, the thing. aviators and yeah. the, yeah. And like, and by the way, when you said returns, I was like thinking about all the returns. I was like. Yeah, I mean, Hunter's is probably my favorite from incredible, you know, two thousand two or whatever. And I was like, "What's he gonna leather jacket?" Yeah, leather jacket. And that was the funny thing is, I think at at that point in time, there was when I came back, there was a, there was a weird like 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 fed beef mm -hmm. like rivalry mm -hmm. kind of going on at that time. And I was like, "How funny would it be if I just came out from injury?" Looking like a dollar store version of Triple H <laughs> yeah. through the denim vest over yeah. the yeah yeah and I was like I'm not gonna go that far but right. I wear the leather jacket and like that like that period of him is like he's one of my favorite wrestlers from that it's just yeah. so polarizing like yeah from that time he just looked cool as fuck he's awesome awesome yeah. so like that was it was just like sitting at home watching like returns and like, oh, this guy's wearing sunglasses oh, this guy's got a leather jacket on no one's doing leather jacket and sunglasses. <laughs> So, and the, the funny thing, we, you know, me and Hannah were just in LA. I walked, we walked into some like secondhand store mm -hmm. and there were just these, and I just call them badass sunglasses. You can't find them anymore. Mm -hmm. And they just say sport right here uh -huh. or sports <laughs> right here. Sure. That's and they're the for. same glasses. And I bought like six pairs of them uh -huh. and then bought a $30 like old beat up leather jacket. Yeah. And that was it. There was oh no like calling a gear guy. No, we did. I did get like, uh, like those weird leather. There's like a weird fake leather that wrestlers wear. Uh -huh. I got leather trunks like that. That's and awesome. They're nice. They feel real cool when I wear them. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you're already thinking about what the next uh, incarnation of how does the butcher yeah. evolve? And it, that was the thing is like I always wanted to embrace like the my character is like the guy i play is like that weird guy in the neighborhood that only everyone has stories about like, yeah oh, that, that, you know like buddy Ravel from three o'clock high like yep oh. yeah there was so like when i when i i would i'll never forget when i was in like third grade my friend lived in an apartment complex and there was a guy walking his dog and then my friend was like it's red meat over there i was like what's the deal with red meat oh, i don't know man he walks his dog every day but his face is all red He's all like muscular and stuff. It's red meat. We don't mess with red meat. He sounds awesome. Yeah. <laughs> um, then, yeah, that I had a guy in my neighborhood named Rambo, and he, like the only thing he did that was cool was he wore like a uh, like it was 
uh, he had a shirt that was Bud on the like Bud Budweiser. Okay, and then Bud Light on the back. Oh, that's that's sick. So for either, and he had a he had like a knife on his. He always wore like uh like camo, mm-hmm. and then had like a he always had a knife or nice. like sometimes a machete. He would like walk around the neighborhood with a machete. That's sick. Yeah, I have a scar actually on my finger. I don't know if you can see this. There's a scar right here, guys. It's from Rambo's machete when I was a kid. He what did he did he cut? He you? didn't do anything. I did it. Would you try to grab it or no no no? We were building a fort by the river by my house. Yeah, <laughs> and he just showed up one day and tried to help us. Sure. And, and like, uh, let me borrow your. I was machete. like, can I use your machete real quick? And I like I cut some trees. By trees, I mean like little branches. <laughs> and then I, ha- I remember there was like I found something. I was going like this on top of it, uh-huh. and it slid down and went into my finger. And ah. I, did- I didn't want to tell anyone that I did that, so yeah. I just kind of hid it. And no so, no so. You could have that. And then yeah. I went home. It's like, oh my god, I still have the scar on my finger. <laughs> so what is it like for you to have? I mean, to go from like, you know, I'm just gonna be happy, like you know, wrestling in VFW hall. This is gonna be great. I'm just gonna do this for the for the art of it and everything. To now be like, yeah, I'm gonna be on Walmart shelves like i have not only do you have an action figure but your like friend who you've been on the journey with incredible man like you've seen him through and now he's gonna be yeah it's dude it's on walmart shelves too it was i think it was just the matter of just like well i mean i'm doing this now and like i can't say i'm gonna be able to do this when i'm 50 so i might as well just see what happens yeah and like and not that i knew the the band was like was like going to break up or anything. I didn't think that, but like dudes started having kids. Right. And I was like, okay, it's going to slow down. So I have a little bit of space to like kind of do this. And like, that was the thing was like when I started working for AW, like I was very, very communicative about, Hey, like I'm going to go do tours. And like Jericho was like the one that like really helped me with that because he eased my brain of just saying like, yeah, just go do a tour and you can come back and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, oh, okay. It sounds really easy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like that's Chris Jericho, not me. <laughs> but like they were so cool with me doing, understanding that like I do that and like I could go do that. And, you know, and when the, that was like the weird thing, it was like I, I had a match. It was me and Jess versus um, Ishii and Orange. Mm-hmm. And I ended up tearing my right bicep and I was in the middle of a tour. Like, so like I left, I can't even remember Galveston or something like that. Flew to wherever that match was wrestled on that Wednesday. The band wrestled or wrestled the band (laughs) played a show. And then I met back up with them. And like, when I came back, I had a torn bicep. So like, I was like, man, do I, can I play guitar? You know, and just went straight to a show, played a guitar. (laughs) Like it was fine. Um, and then at the end of the tour, the band kind of just fell apart. And um, Tony was super cool, man, and like gave me like month, a couple months off. And like my head just wasn't ready. I, I couldn't even imagine like trying to wrestle that like week that the band broke up because it was just like so like you, you did not expect it to no, happen. Yeah, no. And it was just like you know I was hurt and like it happened quick grieving. when the band broke up. Like yeah. it was like we're. Yeah, that's yeah. it. We're done. Yeah, and it was just like the the uh, you know the grieving process. I didn't think it was going to hit me like that, and, and it I couldn't imagine wrestling. Like my head was spinning. Like constantly. wow, yeah. Wow. So it was like really cool that they gave me time off, and so you didn't yeah. think it. Did you know? How do you know? Obviously, without getting into specifics, like 
I'm sure there are fights in a band, right? And like, it's like a relationship, right? You know, when you get into a fight and you could threaten, you know what? Let's take a break. You know, I'm done. I'm leaving the house. She, you know, it's not done. Yeah. Like when something like that happened so suddenly, was there just, did you just realize like, oh my God, this actually is it. I think it was, it was this, it was, um, things were just so weird I was like, I don't need, I don't need this weirdness. Right. And like, kind of like vocally, like saying to the guys, like, I'm, if it's like this, I don't want to do this. Mm -hmm. And it, everyone just kind of agreed and we kind of just stopped. And it was like, you know, obviously there's way more to it than that. But like, it, it was just a matter of like, I couldn't, I f- mentally could not be in that situation anymore. Where it was just like, I, for me, that would have probably been my last tour regardless of anything. It was so weird. And, like, the way we went on tour was, like, everything was just weird. People were, like, driving separate. Mm, and, like, yeah. there just wasn't conversations happening. And, like, it just didn't seem like the future was that. It just seemed bleak. And, um, but then, you know, understanding that that's not going to happen anymore is like you there's no way to prepare yourself yeah for that and then like you're in a 25 year relationship with someone and like then it's gone and you're like <laughs> like okay like i guess i'm a wrestler now <laughs> you know what i mean like yeah. i guess i'm i guess i have to kind of like lean into this and like the good thing is is like i could have just put all my eggs in that basket and became a slave to pro wrestling, but I'm bigger than that. You know what I mean? Like I have more to offer to the world than just pro wrestling Uh and music. I can do other things. And like when you're locked in something for 25 years, you kind of start believing you're only that thing. Yes. You know what I mean? And like the good thing is like when the band broke up, it was like, Oh wait a second. Like I'm, I'm okay. I'm good. Like I have pro wrestling, but man, I have so much more and I still have music. Like I can start another band. I can do solo stuff. You're also, you're also at that point an individual big time. And that's the thing is you're not tied to it. And like the cool thing is like with pro wrestling is it ain't me. That's the butcher. So Mm. like, you know what I mean? That's Mm -hmm. work to me. And what I do outside of it is like for me, like that's, and that's kind of what I was kind of getting at in the beginning of like with pro wrestling is like a lot of pro wrestlers get caught in that cog, you know, they do the tryouts, they do that stuff. And like, you kind of start believing you're not good enough, mm-hmm. even though you are. Mm-hmm. And it's just not the right place, not the right time. And then finally it happens. And then you, you know, you have imposter syndrome. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like those guys Absolutely. have imposter syndrome. With me, I think I needed to like kind of, shed not shed the band because i loved the band i loved making music with those guys everything it was like to understand that there's more to me like it took a long time like Mm -hmm. when the band broke up it was like oh god what am i gonna do what am i gonna do what am i gonna do you know like and then having someone you know hannah would uh, would always say like there's way more to you like don't think that like because the band's gone you're gonna die now you know Mm -hmm. what i mean like it's not like that now you can do anything you want right and it's like oh my god i can you know so it was uh 
it's been cool. Like I said, too, like it's cool to have like, like I get to go to work and not be me. Yeah. yeah. And, it's, and it's a fantasy, right? I mean, this yeah. is like as a little kid, you would have you would have dreamed about that stuff. But it is also interesting. And there, I'm sure there is a freeing thing when like you exist within a context. Yeah. And that context is removed. Yep. You're like, what? I, how do yeah. I exist that? And then you're like, oh, like I this is this is better. I'm like, yeah. like, like I'm a, I'm a person. I'm, I'm free. Yeah. And, uh, your bandmates, a, a bunch of your bandmates are in better, better lovers, lovers now. Right. Yeah, and you're, and you're, they're my totally cool with They're them. The you were at the show yeah. the other night, right? Yeah. 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 So, I mean, it seems like we like regularly tell each other we love each other. That's incredible. And that to me is like, that's that incredible. means more than anything. Yeah. You know, not a lot of people are in that position where they can like go see their bandmates new band and not get like, I'm not jealous of it. I miss it. I like last night I was at that show at St. Vitus and like a part of me was like, oh man, I miss this. Mm -hmm. And then you, you kind of just realize like, oh, I'll get there. I'll yeah. do this again. Like yep. it's, it's okay. Like yep. I've did this for 25 years. Like I, this is the one thing I really know how to do. Yeah. <laughs> I'm good. Yeah. 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 I've, I've, I've be, I've done my 10,000 hours. I'm an expert in the field. Yes. Yeah. 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 And like, you, you know, it, it does feel weird and there is like weird PTSD and there's like, you know what I mean? Like that stuff. But you were in a, I was in a 25 year relationship. Sure. With of course. People, you know? Yeah. And like, I'm so happy for those guys. Uh -huh. Dude, the crowd was unreal last night. Like they were, they kicked so much ass. I, I was telling Hannah, like on the way back from the show, I was like seeing Jordan the guitar player that I literally have spent more time with than anyone else in my life. <laughs> like literally me and Jordan Buckley had been together longer than any relationship either of us have had. And to see him be so professional and like play with confidence was like such a cool, like friend moment. Yes. It, it rips. Yeah. I almost started crying there. I'm sorry. That's oh, well, what a tale of triumph. That's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. Cool. I love hearing stuff like that. How did they feel when uh, when you became a TV wrestler? Like when it's not uh, just like this is what Andy's doing on his off time, but like no, he's like he's an AEW the biggest superstar, yeah. biggest supporters. Like yeah. the hardest thing for me was to tell them that I might have to miss a show, right? And like I was the one member in the band that had never missed an every time every time I die show. Like mm -hmm. no matter what injury I had, I always played, and then. The first show I ever had to miss was DDP's last match ever. <laughs> and it was like Bash at the Beach. And I was like, guys, like, I'm going to have to miss this Paris show. I got to wrestle DDP for this. You got to do for it. For Bash at the Beach, man. Yeah. And everyone was like, please go do that. It's going to be better than the, the Paris show. <laughs> so that was cool. And that, it, it, that one was scary, like, to give you just a little bit of story about it. Yeah, that please. Was, I missed. So I missed it every time I die show. That was, we only had like appearance by appearance contracts at that time. With AEW? Yeah. Wow. And like they only told us what we were doing the week before. So it was like. Oh, so you never knew. Yeah. Yeah. Like, hey, next week you guys are going to have a match against, you know, the Bucks, blah, 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 or <clears throat> whatever it was. Like, okay, cool. We knew we had work. And then like we started talking about Bash the Beach. And then there was like no talk of anything after. I'm like, oh, man. Well, mm. hey, and I remember me and Jess had this. Me and Jess had this like crazy conversation at this this at the 
this restaurant after the, we wrestled DDP. And, like, I had to go to Denmark the next day. And um, we're sitting there, and I was like, well, hey, that was cool, man. Like, we had a pretty cool six months. Like, that was pretty rad. Yeah. You know, like, we wrestled DDP's thing. Like, what do you want to do next? Do you want to, like, go back to the indies and, like, try to do it? Do you want to go back and try to do the ROH thing? Do you want to, like, you know what I mean? And then, like, Cody and Nick Buck, like, pulled us aside and were like, hey, guys, we're going to give you full contracts. Ah. Oh. And we were like, it was like 2.30 in the morning. They waited so long. <laughs> it was the worst. Dude. They knew what they were doing. And, dude, the worst part is, like, there was, <laughs> this is just the way my brain works. There was a guy wearing a pair of Jeremy Scott Adidas cowboy boots that I had offered $1,000 to. Uh-huh. And I was like, what are you doing, dude? Like. This might be the last day you're working for AEW. God only knows what's going to happen with the band. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah. You can't just spend $1,000 on these Adidas cowboy boots that happen to be your size. And I remember, like, talking to the dude, trying to buy him. He's like, I can't do that. I can't do it. I can't do it, man. I love these things. I love these things. And then, like, got a tap on my shoulder. I was like, hey, Cody and Nick want to talk to you. And, like, pulled us aside and, like, told us. And I was like, oh, man, you guys have been here since 1030. <laughs> Couldn't you just do this at 1045? <laughs> like, I got to go to Denmark tomorrow. Like, all right. And then, you know, it was like, I think I called on it like 2.30 in the morning. It was like, hey, they offered me like a full contract and like a cool little moment. You know yeah, what I mean? Like, but it was really cool. so stressful. Yeah. So stressful. Yeah. Leading up to it. Yeah. Um, When you, uh, when you look at that action figure, right? Yeah. And you look at it and there is of all the toys on the shelves for any little wrestling fan or big wrestling fan in my case to pick up. Yeah. There's only one that the word Hellraiser is tattooed on the stomach. Yeah. Does that make you go, man, that was a good idea. Kind of. I yeah. Guess, yeah. The, the weird thing is there's so many weird joke tattoos that I not- have that are on that doll. <laughs> Like when the guys started having kids, like when they both told us they were having children, the rest of us freaked out because it seemed like they didn't want to save money. Mm-hmm. They were like, let's get a bus. Like the two guys that needed to save money were like, let's get a bus. Let's do this. And we were all like, dude, let's, I'll go back to just driving in like a Honda and you can drive in your Honda and you can drive in your Honda. And we'll put our gear in our thing. Like we started like to save as much money. I'll stay at a person's house. Yeah. But you know what I mean? Like, and they were like, so we decided to do the worst thing ever. We started, decided to just book one star hotels, <laughs> like motels for this one tour. And we all got a one star tattoo. So it's like five stars, but one's like in. And the doll has that. That's awesome. I have like a stage, oh, a, oh, yeah. one star. It was terrible. Uh, I have a stage left tattoo, uh-huh. like that's on the doll. I have a Barry Windham tattoo that's on the doll. <laughs> I haven't like I don't know if the NWO one made it on the doll, but I have an NWO tattoo that could be on this doll. Like, and I keep calling them dolls, right? Because I know it annoys like Ethan Page and Dan Housen, the yeah. guys that like really care about toys. Yeah, I will always say doll. Yeah, no, I was gonna correct you, but I was like, yeah, he's probably yeah. doing it on purpose. Cardona yeah. for sure. Yeah, like, I'll say cool doll, cool doll man. Yeah. Um, and then there's uh, do when I. <laughs> Sam Trapkin from the band uh, Trapped Under Ice mm-hmm. had this guitar with the sticker on it that was a dog, like like a, a toy dog. It just said bad dog mm-hmm. on it, but it had like a toothpick. Mm-hmm. 
mm-hmm. and he just looked cool. And he had a guitar with it on that sticker on it. The, when I first started playing guitar, there used to be a place called Daddy's Junkie Music. I don't know if they exist anymore. I have not seen it in years, but I used to go into Daddy's Junkie Music, and there used to be this guitar that had the Bad Dog sticker on the guitar, and I would pull it off the wall and I would play it because I was like, dude, this is like the the best guitar in here. It's got the sticker on it. Mm-hmm. Bad dog. So I got the sticker tattooed on me. <laughs> and uh, when it came out, like I hadn't talked to Sam in years. And I just randomly <laughs> sent him a picture. I was like, yo, bad dog is literally on a toy now. <laughs> and like, he was like, I haven't talked to you in so long. And, like, <laughs> this is insane. It was so fun. Like, that's probably my favorite one that's like on there. It's just so stupid. Like, yeah. there's so many stupid tattoos on that toy. It makes me wish that it, uh, we had been better friends a long time ago because I probably could have gotten you to get a Not Sam tattoo. And, 100%. And that would have been on the toy, too. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, man, uh, this has been great. Yeah. I'll do this anytime. Yeah. In, in I, we, will, we will definitely do this again. Um, what do you want to, what direction do you want to send people in if they're, uh, well, well, obviously, you know, AEW, Dynamite, Rampage, Collision yeah. every week. I have a toy. And you have a toy ringsidecollectibles.com, right? I will say this. I did like uh, Danhausen texted me like earlier and said I'm the only out of this series, mm-hmm. I'm the only one that sold out. Whoa. So well, I've got sold dude, out. Dude, you are very I'm sure you know the I would hope you know the phrasing. You're very toyetic. Well, I look like a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles bad guy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So of course. Exactly. Very yeah. toyetic. And by the and, you know, uh I think it probably still works. If you order the figure at Ringside Collectibles, and you put in promo code not Sam is ten percent off. There you go. So there you go. And also, guys, if you just want to get over in life, mm-hmm. put on a leather jacket and sunglasses. That's the that's the lesson. That's it, dude. You um, just want you want to get you know if there's a girl that you're interested in, if there's a job you need, uh, if you're a political person trying to make people think you're cool, put on a pair of sunglasses and a leather jacket, and people will take you serious. And the, cool. the best part is, like, I've always said this. If you're in a room of people and mm-hmm. you need to ask someone a question and there's a guy with a mustache, mm-hmm. you're going to go straight to that guy. 100%. And ask the question. That guy couldn't not. He might only know things about coconuts and that's it. But. <laughs> yeah, but he's, he's. He'll give a shot. Yeah. Give it a shot. Yeah, I was. I was. Uh, I can't remember. It might have been Troy. I was talking to somebody and it's like. For a while, when I shaved my head, I was like, okay, I think I've hit my final Yo, form. I wanted to talk about that. Yeah, yeah, I think I've hit my final form. But lately, I'm like, no, I th- I don't know exactly when it'll be. But I think the final form is going to be just stash. Okay, I like that. I think just mustache. Yeah. Why, I, what were you thinking? I saw you. No, I thought you were going to go back to hair. Like, embrace, you think I embrace that's the like, skull, dude. You think I should go, like, because it would be, I mean, it wouldn't be perm, but it'd be curly, but it'd, it'd be, be wild. like, it'd be like, Kind of thin and fluffy, but it would literally start like cool. back here. Very cool. You think that'd be cool? Like the Doink the Clown wig. A hundred percent like the Doink the Clown. Yeah. Yeah, like that one right there. You see the, <laughs> the right behind you. There's a picture. That's it. Yeah. That would be cool as hell. You but think yeah, so? I uh, I wanted to ask you about bushy eyebrows too. Because yeah. I'm a bushy eyebrow guy too. Oh yeah. 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 I mean I stopped uh, for there was a time when I was getting them uh trimmed. Yeah. I stopped that. And actually, I was thinking about bushy eyebrows recently because uh, remember Maven mm-hmm. from Tough Enough? Yeah. He used to have real strong eyebrows. Yeah. And he gets them done now. Like, they're all mm. thin. And I'm like, that's not... There's something very... Yeah. I feel like commanding and masculine about a strong brow. Yeah. You know? Hannah tells me when it gets out of control. 
She does? Because I don't have the I don't have control of them. No, you can't. But she she helps me with the Sometimes control. Sometimes they're like pointing down over yeah. your eyes and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. I do have cool stuff. I just did a Life of Agony cover for uh, two minutes to late night. That's mm-hmm. coming out soon. I just filmed it at the Men in Black because uh, we were at Arthur Ashe the other day. So like the end of Men in Black is outside oh, yeah, of that yeah, place. Yeah. So like Rocket uh, Park or whatever. So I filmed my parts there. I did it at the concessions, um, which is cool as hell. Uh, I'm going to be back in New York just to watch music uh, <laughs> in um, November. And then in December, I don't know if I'm allowed to announce this, but I'll say it anyway, so I don't care. Uh, I'm doing a, t- a live two minutes to late night at the Gramercy on December 14th. Awesome. So find <clears> out whenever tickets go on sale for that. Scoop yeah. those tickets up. And yeah, we'll have to uh, make plans to see each other when you're back in town, I man. would love to, man. Awesome. I this has been to. a pleasure, dude. Oh, you're the best. Good dude. catching up with yeah, you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, this is great. Awesome.